I think we've got some, uh, I think Faye and Sylvia are going to be going on tour. Yes. <laughs> 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 Definitely we'll get on the fringe circuit. <laughs> In their twilight years, I think we've discovered great talent. <laughs> Wonderful. I think Reg and Joy, I think you could probably join them. There's two double acts. And, um, yeah, what a blessing that would be. Great. So it's good to see you all. Um, now, <clears throat> I wonder if Chad would come up here, and I wonder if Nicholas would just bandage him in various places. The first thing is, come on every day, wake up church camp and the French leader is brandishing toilet paper. Yes, that's right. That's the rea reality of church. Time. Yeah. So the, me the messiness of church. Um, yeah, so um, as Nicholas uh, applies the bandages to... It's like a maple. Uh, to Chad... We, we've, over the last two sessions, we've had these kind of images of um, of the reality of being. Okay, that'll probably probably do. Thank you, Nicholas. Um, the the reality of the church being. You can stay sitting, standing. Um, the reality of the church being uh, belonging to Christ. Okay, so that and Victor said that for us very well. That uh, as believers, we are a new creation. That is the the reality. Uh, however, as Nicholas went on to the second session, the reality of the church is that we are a broken people. So we have this this twofold relationship, both with Christ and with the world. That we are. Uh, we are both not uh, a dichotomy, not two separate things, but a wholeness in one sense, a strange, mysterious wholeness that we are with Christ, in Christ, but at the same time in and with the world. So um, we, we, we just have this very strange... The, and, and some theologians call it the, the now and the not yet, the reality of the new that Christ has brought, um, but the not yet, the not yet until he returns. So the brokenness of the church is our reality, and, and especially as we go into the world. Thank you. You can take that off now. Is there a healing for Healing, yes, the healing community as we go in. Uh, into the world. I wonder if somebody who's got a, a Bible handy could read for us 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verses 14 to 20. So just, uh, Alex, if you just wait until everybody's got their Bible open. A nice, loud, and slow voice. Just. For the Messiah's love has called us. Because we are convinced that one man died on behalf of all mankind, which implies that all mankind was already dead. So keep going. Yeah, to 20, please. And that he died on behalf of all in order that those who live shall not live any longer for themselves, but for the one who on their behalf died and was raised. 
So from now on, we do not look at anyone from a worldly viewpoint. Even if we regard the Messiah from a worldly viewpoint, so we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is united with the Messiah, he has a new creation. The old has passed. Look what has come. What has come is fresh and new. And it is all from God who through the Messiah has reconciled us to himself and has given us the work of that reconciliation, which is that God in the Messiah was reconciling mankind to itself, not counting their sins against them, and entrusting us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors of the Messiah. In effect, God is making his appeal through us. What we do is appeal on behalf of the Messiah, be reconciled to God. Okay, thank you. Um, so, this passage very much says that we are God's people sent into the world uh, to bring a message of reconciliation with God. And we call this the gospel. So, on one hand, we are believers. We belong to the new creation. We belong to, to Christ and what he has done. And there are other passages if you want to take note. Galatians 1.4 and Colossians 1.13 that speak of this new reality which is, which is who we are and what we belong to. But on the other hand we are still in the flesh. We are still in the world. We are still broken. And uh, we are both broken and part of the broken world. And if you look at uh, if you want to take a note 1 Corinthians 5.10 So Victor set up the first framework for us and Nick then developed that and now we're looking at the idea of being the church, the healing community in the world or life in the world and so we've got to kind of kind of make sense of that because when we think well okay we're believers but are we really in the world? Yes we are by our brokenness so we can't escape from that but equally, God meets the world through the presence of the church. So God is, you know, when we speak about God's presence in the world, God's presence in the world is here by His church. So through the power of His Spirit, which is given to the church, but by the presence of the church. And so that passage in 2 Corinthians really sets that up for us, doesn't it? It says that we are... Uh, the ministers of reconciliation. We are the new creation. We, we belong um, to, to what Christ has done. So we've got this uh, unescapable reality uh, presented for us. So the gospel is then grounded very much in the real world through the church. Okay, so the, the reality of the gospel is not some type of um, uh, ideas philosophical ideas but it's the reality of what Christ has done in the world is present in the church and so this is kind of the framework that we're setting up so firstly the church is the meeting place of broken people with God so when we come 
to church to meet with one another. We come as broken people, but we come to meet with God. Okay, we come because there is a oneness, a unity with God, with Christ, as we become part of the triune God. But equally, as we know that many times the church is more concerned with itself than it is with others. So we become consumed with who we are rather than our calling to be sent out into the world. So because we remain open to the world, it ne we never have the luxury of shutting ourselves off from the world. Okay, Because we are God's presence in the world, we cannot shut ourselves off from the world. We must be in the world. We are in the world because we're broken, but we must be in the world as God's ambassadors, as God's people, because that's what he chooses to, to make himself present in the world through, through us, the church. So the, what we, we, we've come to the conclusion is that the church has to learn to become a healing community if we are going to be in this world. We have to learn this. We have to, have to allow God to teach us the ways. So we ask God for His presence, which is there. We ask Him to show uh, His glory in this world, but we also need to ask, teach us your ways, Lord. Teach us how we can be this healing community in the world. Now, traditionally, the church has had a number of different uh, kind of entities uh, over probably sort of post-Reformation. So one entity has been the kind of idea of a, a transformational uh, approach. And this has been that Christians have wanted to enter into different areas of society. So they've seen an absence in, in some areas, the cultural areas, the political areas, maybe business, and they've said, we've got to be there. If we're going to make a, uh, an influence or an impact on the world, we have to be in these places. So I know a number of people, and, and you may as well, that have entered into politics deliberately as Christians, because they've wanted to, to make an influence upon, um, upon society. So we found, you know, uh, that there's been Christians certainly in politics, maybe in business, maybe another policy-making um, area. So the, the kind of the, there's a group called Evangelicals Now that very much their, um, their premise or their purpose is to, uh, to affect policy, so to have a Christian influence. Um, now this is good because Christians should be in all areas of society. They should be able to communicate the gospel in all areas of society. But however... There is problems with it as well, isn't there? I mean, even the whole aspect of same-sex marriage and, and so on, and we're not going to really get into that topic um, today, but the thing is that sometimes we can want to try and impose our Christian values, our Christian ideas upon a society that doesn't know God, doesn't worship God. And so is, is that something that we should be doing? And, and so there's, there's big questions Around that, so that model or that approach to go into the world does have weaknesses, and so it can't be accepted completely. There has to be maybe um, a, a different approach. Now, another approach is the one where 
Christians have wanted to, to come against culture. They've said that the world is, is bad, the world is broken, the world is evil. And in some respects, on the one extreme, Christians have said, well, uh, we should never associate with the world. We shouldn't do anything worldly. And so there's been uh, movements, hasn't there, in Christian traditions. And some of us may have uh, been involved in that, where you know you didn't even go to the cinema, or uh, you didn't go dancing, or um, you never went into a pub as a Christian, did you? It was that, that kind of teaching that went around. And so, you know, the, the extreme groups would actually completely isolate or disassociate themselves with, with the world, with culture. Now, they wouldn't um, not want to have anything to, the world, to do with the world, but they would want the world to come and uh, see this, this new reality community. They would want to say, well, listen... We really believe that God has done something very special in this world through Christ. Uh, so if we invite people or people come and see what God's doing, then they'll want to be part of it. So they would actually uh, be very much involved in justice projects, and they would be involved with the poor and reaching out to the marginalized. And So there would be a, a real emphasis on that, but equally a real um, separation from the world in, in, in fear, in many respects, that the world would uh, have a negative influence. And especially, you know, we don't want our children to be exposed to something, some things in the world. So that's another approach. But then there's weaknesses with that as well, isn't there? Because then how can you ever really meet people? How can you ever really be involved in the lives of real people if you're completely... You have almost a, a ghettoized community where Christians never meet anybody in the world. All they do is just associate with other Christians. So that approach, in many respects, kind of sets up and says we are distinct, we are set apart, we are God's people. So it's a strong influence. We want people to see this and be part of this. But how can they be part of this, part of this if we're, unless we're part of their lives? So that, so that approach, again, has weaknesses. Now, the, another approach that, that the church has attempted to, to, uh, <clears throat> to take when they've gone into the world is one of what we call the two kingdoms approach. Now, Luther, Martin Luther, who you may know uh, something about, was a great advocate or uh, <clears throat> uh, initiator of this, with believing that there's one kingdom, the kingdom of the world, and then there's God's kingdom. And they coexist in this world uh, until the return of Christ. And so Luther said, well, if we're going to be in God's kingdom, we need to, uh, we need to live as, as servants of God's kingdom. So if you're going to be um, a shoemaker, I guess there were a lot of shoemakers in the time of Luther. Maybe it was a bigger, bigger industry than it is now. Um, everything's done in the factory now. Um, but Luther said, if you're going to be a shoemaker, you're going to be the best shoemaker in the world. Okay, so not only by your skill, but also by your integrity. So your character will show that you are part of God's kingdom. And so he would propose that for every aspect of life. So you would have a, a job in the world, businessman or farmer or um, 
you know, all the, all the different jobs that, that, that people have here, childcare worker, um, and working at Woolworths. Uh, but you would, you would do it to the, to the highest quality, okay? So the competence in that would be what would be emphasized. But again, there were weaknesses with this approach, or are weaknesses with this approach, because often people wouldn't ever evangelize. They would, they would show by their life, or by their lifestyle, or by their, um, their work, that they were distinct. But their distinctiveness wouldn't necessarily be in going and saying to somebody, "Have you heard about Jesus? Do you have you have you uh, heard what the what the good news about Jesus is?" So evangelism was quite a weak um, aspect of that of that approach. And uh, we know that we're sent into the world to be ambassadors, to be speakers, to be proclaimers, to share the message, the good news. Of Jesus for the world. Now, uh, a fourth approach was one of the those who wanted to be relevant. They wanted to come into the world and bring relevance. So they wanted to uh, communicate on a level with the world where the world could relate uh, to what they were saying. So maybe the gospel was presented in a way that people in the world of different cultures could relate to. They would live uh, alongside people in the world. They would, um, you know, maybe not dress similarly, get involved in similar activities or whatever. Because um, they thought, well, we've got to connect with people. We've got, in order to share this good news, in order to share who God is, we need to really <coughs> connect with people. But the problem is that, with that is that the distinctiveness can easily be absorbed. You can easily become so much like everybody else that uh, you're not marked out, you're not any different. Um, I mean, you might, uh, you know, kind of share sunsets and coffee with one another, but maybe never share the gospel. So preaching maybe isn't a strong element or aspect of that approach as well. There's good things because it means that you're involved in people's lives, but you can get involved in people's lives or try and be so relevant that you don't become distinct. And the thing about culture is that it changes so quickly. So you might be relevant for a season, but then that changes as well. So these are kind of different approaches and they have their strengths, but they also have their weaknesses and maybe should never be taken uh, in their, their, their wholeness. We maybe need to say, well, I don't want to pick and choose from these different approaches, but maybe there's, there's something different. Maybe there's a different approach to being the healing community in the world. And uh, we've begun to, begun to kind of unpack this and develop this because the reality is that we've been created as a new people, we are a new humanity. We really um, are part of the world to show what life in Christ is like under his reign, under his lordship, what it should look like. But we should never underestimate the reality and the levels of sin that are in the church, the brokenness. So we can never be so 
caught up in our, our, uh, the new reality that we forget actually we're broken people and we can, we can continue to sin and we can continue to hurt people. So, we've got to say, well, what is, that's the first question, what is this healing community? Uh, what, I mean, give me some feedback. What do you think it is? Try and characterize it. What is the, the healing community, God's healing community, the church in the world? Forgiveness. Okay, the aspect of forgiveness, yes. Not being judgmental. Not being judgmental. <coughs> Yes, our relationship with Jesus being uh, very strong and, and um, emphasized and, and really being our identity, our security, yes. Yep, the aspect of hope being very strong. Joy, yeah. yeah. Trying to be humble. Helena, yeah, trying to be humble. Yes. Yeah, no, these are great. These are really good. Yeah. I mean, why is it important that we, uh, as the church, are the healing community in the world? Why do you think it's important? So, because, because the, as it said in the, the passage in 2 Corinthians, I, I, that translation maybe didn't portray it, but love, the love of Christ compels us. Okay, that's the reason, that's our motivation to go in the world. So, for, because Christ, uh, Christ's ministry was very much about reaching those broken people, this then becomes, uh, as His presence by His Spirit is in the world, His, his reality through the church. Pam? Because our, our society, the Western society, promotes individuality almost to the exclusion of everything else. And if the church is not going to provide a healing community, no one will. So even the aspect of community is something that can be healing. Yeah, and that, that's a challenge because in, in many respects, although as the church we've emphasized, you know, uh, don't do this, don't do that, but then we've actually become very individualistic and materialistic ourselves. Um, the church, in many respects, doesn't welcome. Good to see you, Marius and Harry. Um, it is no different from the world in that respect. So to actually show that we are a community, that we are broken, that, and, and that's one of the wonderful things about the church is that we are actually very different, aren't we? We have unity, but we are diverse. And our diversity should be emphasized. We shouldn't all be the same. We shouldn't all look the same. We should be different. I mean, wasn't that the wonderful thing about last night? The diversity in the performances and the, and the personalities and the characters and the, the nationalities and, and, and everything. Uh, what else is it important? Yeah, so we... And the 
could, could you kind of expand upon that, the connection between humility and love, how you think of that? That's right. I mean, we're beginning to move now to the aspect of how we might live out in the world as the healing community. So, people have mentioned things about hope, uh, about love, and even the, the idea of us being uh, a people of faith, that we are expectant of something miraculous that's going to happen in this world. That we truly believe that God is going to break into our world or has already broken into our world and He's done something new. He's done something miraculous. That His kingdom is here. And so what His kingdom looks like, we get a, a, a picture of that, don't we, from the ministry of Jesus. So the, the, um, the, the reaching to the broken. So the very tangible image of what the kingdom of God is, is looking like. The reign of God. The the kingship of Jesus in this world. This is a bit of an idea of what the healing community is, is like in the world, isn't it? The, 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 the humility, um, the non-judgmental um, approach. So it becomes something actually very different, doesn't it? We approach the world not as something that we want to keep away from, but actually something that we want to uh, embrace but embrace with God's love, not with our own love. We don't want to be sentimental. We don't want to be too optimistic about the world. The world is broken. It is very sinful. You get too close to people, and the reality of sin is exposed, isn't it? The reality of our, our sin, but also the reality of other people's sin. But we also don't want to be too pessimistic about the world. We want to really believe what God has done in Christ is something uh, new, it's something exciting, it's something, uh, the possibilities of change and, and transformation. So we know that in our own lives, in the lives of, of, of the, the healing community, but in the possibility of the, of the lives of people in the world. So this is the way we approach. Now I've got some questions that I think Will, will help us. Maybe if um, that would be the second one in chat, so the one on the other side would be the first one. Um, which I'd like you to just chat in twos or threes. How, what, what you think as we begin to build up this picture of what the healing community 
in the church is like. So the first one, what does it mean to have hope? So this is from a Christian perspective. Why is hope important? And how can we as a healing community share the new reality of hope? When I speak about the new reality, I've maybe used that term a lot, we're speaking about that when Jesus uh, came into the world, he changed the world. Once he became God, became man, the world was completely changed. It was changed by his ministry, it was changed by his death, and it was changed by his resurrection. And so the world is no longer the same any longer. It's now new. There is a new, uh, new life, a new reality in this world. And we are part of that as God's people. So how can this hope, uh, how can we share the new reality of hope with people in the world? So just for a couple of minutes, in twos and threes, and then we'll have a little bit of feedback. And Chad will play the piano. Just an atmosphere of music in the background. Just deep. Thank you. Rich. Hope produces an individual transformation in me. I belong to a community of similarly transformed people who then model that into the society in which we live without imposing our morality at the same time. Okay. Yeah. And, and so what, what is it about hope that you can model? Um, you can model that by looking forward to... Okay what is possible yeah. in our world yeah. as opposed to the hope we have Jesus coming back. Yeah. Say, this is a change. Yeah. It requires us to back off from the church's negativity. We want a petition to stop the following happening in our society. Yeah. That alienates, it doesn't create hope or community. Great, good. Okay, thank you. Some other, other contributions, Carrie? Realistic optimism, yes, yeah. But the reality of a brokenness, um, but but just yeah. Even the simple ability for some people to, to get up the next day and to live in grace, to live in the, the reality of grace as well. Yeah, good. Forgiveness. Yeah, to know you're forgiven and rest. Yeah. Give myself no. And tomorrow is another day. And I can remember in one of the darkest chapters of my life, my dad saying from the Bible, 
It says, this too will pass. An optimism that, you know, tomorrow is another. Fantastic. Good. Roger? It's uh, Satan's opposite to how it's hopeless. Exactly. Where people's suicidal mm. tendencies is the spiritual uh, realm of Satan speaking into a person's life, telling them that they've achieved nothing, that it's hopeless. But Jesus mm. tells us that uh, he will never leave us with the Satan's. And that although we will endure hardships in this life, we have that certain hope that um, there's this bright future. And um, I believe that just the fulfillment of prophecy, the Bible shows us the exact fulfillment of prophecy, that the final chapter of Revelation um, is certain. And that's the hope that we, we have. It's a real emphasis on Jesus and what Jesus has done and, and, and you know, his very presence here in the world. But, but that we're part of that, you know, that we are uh, the bringers of hope. We are the, we are the involved in, in people's lives to point people to Jesus, to, to say, that, you know, let's, uh, let's trust, trust in Jesus in this situation. Most important that God loves us that much that He loves the hope to be able to pass on the message as well. Yeah, that God, that God, lo- God loves us. Yes. Yeah, but but loving God is so important as well. We say. Well, it. it our response is, is his love, that's right. Our response in love is, is, um, is his great love for us, definitely. Just a question. Why do we need the word new in the third question? Why not just share the reality of hope with people in the world? Well, that's a fair point. It's a very old reality. Well, there's a difference between, I, I guess, theologically... Um, there's a difference between what we call the new reality, so what happened in Christ, um, and the old reality, the, the old world, the old creation. So even in that passage in 2 Corinthians, it speaks about a new reality, the new creation. So that, that's really... 2000. But even before, God, God's presence by his people Israel. Yeah, but, but certainly in Christ, which is... Which is the that's the whole reality. thing. We should be called to be watchful and alert so it is a new beginning each day mm. you know today <laughs> mm. um, it, the hope and the joy that what Christ did the glory of the cross and the resurrection that we need to love the Lord it's okay we grow weary but I found it can I share this and let it's actually in Galatians it says and let us not grow weary for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart and I think you know everybody here has felt that at some point but we just stay alert and that's why the news there I think John every morning (laughs) thank you thank you Carol Carol sorry sorry Jesus can then, he gives us a reason to move forward, no matter what our circumstances are. Mm. 
Yeah, so he, he becomes uh, our new identity, our uh, motivation, our compelling, um, but also this hope that does give us energy, that does give us a, a real sense of, um, of living life as it should be lived, living it abundantly, living it the fullness of life, um, which is great hope. Okay, I am going to have to move on. I know that people want to... Maybe we can chat about tea. Um, I'm not going to get you to discuss this just purely because of time, but it's something we can reflect upon. There'll be a time when we can flick a switch. switch. So here's our second question. What role does prayer play for the church as the healing community in the world? And how is it important? So you might want to put that question down and reflect upon it, but Prayer is um, a very active thing, as we know as Christians, and it's something that sometimes we can misuse, but something sometimes we can use it well. So sometimes we can just use prayer as a, as a way of reaching into the world, but we don't ever go into the world ourselves. So let's pray about this. Let's pray about the situation in Syria, or let's pray about this situation in Moran, or... You know, Rockingham, Safety Bay, Mandrake, <coughs> Scarborough, whatever. Um, and never actually do anything about it. So prayer can be misused. Because prayer needs to be part of an active presence in the world. But the key thing about prayer, well, there's a number of key things, but one of the, of the major key things is this dependence upon God. It calls us uh, to depend upon God. As a broken people, we... Uh, we need to depend upon God, not only because of our brokenness, but also because God is the initiator of this new reality, this hope, this change, transformation that happens in the world. He is the one that brings it about. We can bring about amazing things in the world. Christians have done incredible things. And sometimes God has been very much involved in that. But we can do things despite God, which isn't what we really want. Uh, we want transformation because God has done it. Now, God has done it through us, which is His choosing, but it's been God that has done it. It's been obvious that God has brought about change. Because I'm sure that there have been so-called revivals in the world that have been very human-initiated, human-orientated. Um, and people have claimed that God was doing something, but the, the, we know that the lasting effect of change or transformation is what God does. People can still walk away even though God does amazing things. People can still disobey and deny the great things that he does. But when he does transform, it, it has fruit, doesn't it? That's the biblical picture. There's, a, there's an effect, there's a change, there is a genuine transformation. And we are evidence of that, aren't we? That's why our testimonies are so important to be shared uh, amongst others. But prayer is a dependence. It's a calling upon uh, what God can do and who God is and being part of that and Him then motivating us as well. You know, in times of prayer, we suddenly have vision to, uh, to do great things for God as the healing community in the world. And part of um, being the healing community community in the world is authenticity, genuineness. Mm. Uh, 
You know when you have been with people that are authentic, don't you? You know these people might, um, they don't just talk the talk, they also walk the walk. It's not just that they do it, but it's just a genuineness about them, an authenticity. And that's what the healing community in the world must be. It must be authentic. We can make great claims to do this and to do that, but then are we, are we still doing it? Or are we actually, are we, we, um, we, we really active in people's lives? So we can even uh, want to have, have all these ministries that are seen by others, but then are they actually something that we genuinely are involved in? One of the, the great things about my friend Chad is that I think he has a real authenticity about him. That's what people say uh, in, in his ministry with young people, uh, with children and families at, at Scarborough, is that you know, they, they warm to him because he's, being, he's very authentic, he's very real. What you see is what you get with Chad. Not always much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you st it's still authentic. <laughs> um, and, and similarly, I'd say that uh, in Peter's absence with Sundays at Six ministry, and I'm, I'm not just holding these up as, um, you know, obviously I don't know your, your ministries at your churches as well, but authenticity is important. Um, and, uh, and, and it's something that must be a strong characteristic of the healing community. So, this whole idea, what do you find encouraging about the idea of being a healing community in the world? Equally, what do you find challenging about, the, about a healing, being in the healing community? And what are some things that we can do to live out this vision of being a healing community in the world? I wonder if somebody could uh, just lend me their Bible. Two Corinthians, chapter four. Uh, the Good News translation. Um, from verse one, <coughs> chapter. God, in His mercy, has given us the work to do. And so we do, not we do not become discouraged. Because God has given us the work to do, we do not become discouraged. We put aside all secret and shameful deeds. So uh, things of evil or things that are not authentic. We do not act with... We, sorry, we do, we do not act with decent... Deceit, sorry. So the word is very small. Um, my eyesight is failing. Thank you. I prefer actually a bigger. Translation. Uh, I'll just. Uh, we do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, we <coughs> set the truth plainly. We commend ourselves to every man's conscience and so of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. 
For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. And with that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and will bring us with you in his presence. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So this, the two passages that we've looked at, really give us a a very clear picture of what it means to be the healing community in the world. And equally with things like hope and prayer, authenticity, and a vision of what it, what it is to be God's people, God's healing community, uh, the church in the world. And it's in unity with God, unity with one another, which is a real miracle in itself amongst a broken people. But it's always in the grace of of who, uh, who we are, what God has done for us, that we, we live in this world, we, we live in grace. So we have a very clear and strong foundation and we are able to, uh, to go with real confidence no matter what happens. There is a certain confidence. Um, Alina? Jesus is grace. 
it's not a word, it's a person. <coughs> um, and that you just got to trust in you and, and everything will be okay. You know, it's just yeah. that faith in the unseen. And, and I'm loving the evidence that, I, that I'm having to show. That's great. Thank you. And, and the thing is that that we do have a confidence, but we also need one another oh, to build each other up and to encourage one another and to, and to, and to be in this ministry of reconciliation together. We, we can't do it alone. We're not called to do it alone. We're called to do it um, as God's people, as the church. Let's pray before we, um, we close for our, our tea and coffee and everything else. Lord, we, um, we do come to you in the reality of what you have done for us in Jesus. Uh, that, is, that is who we are. We are a new people. You know, although we may not always feel like it, it is the truth. And um, yeah, Lord, we want to take what you say to us through your word very seriously. We never want to uh, just have a, have a time of of hyper-emotion and then go away and do nothing about it. We do believe, Lord, that you speak to us through your word to encourage us and command us to be your people in this world and to be purposeful, to be a healing community, uh, and to be real. And so, Lord, we pray that you would call us to this realness, uh, real lives, a real hope, a real relationship with you through prayer and worship, and um, a real message that can transform people's lives. And Lord, that you use us as part of that. You use us as, as peoples of bringers of that hope, but also um, actors as well of that hope. So... Um, do not, uh, do not leave us comfortable, Lord. Unsettle us and uh, make us uneasy about being comfortable in this world. And um, help us, Lord, to live out the reality of Jesus as his people uh, for your glory. <coughs> we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Great, thank you for all.